0: Welcome to Parenting Today's Teens, a daily podcast that provides stories, insights, and wisdom to help you gain a deeper relationship with your team. On today's episode, Mark Gregston shares a devotional that will speak to you, no matter what your current relationship is with your team. Let's hear what Mark has to say.
1: When I was in high school, I loved dogs and critters and wanted to be a veterinarian, and I thought that uh, this choice of profession would accommodate my love of animals and fulfill my desire to help the underdog, and as it turned out, I've spent most of my life helping underdogs, but not as a vet. You know That, that doesn't mean my love for animals has lessened, but I now have the opportunity to do what I want, uh, wanted to do, helping the underdogs. Uh, with helping others, because outside my back door live 60 kids at Heartlight, a residential counseling center that my wife and I founded uh, 30-plus years ago. Um, But in my backyard lives my dog, my cat, four llamas, one donkey, 24 horses, a host of birds, squirrels, foxes, and coyotes, and, and deer that find sanctuary and safety in our property. You know, our llamas have always been one of my special projects, and these weird-looking animals, which look like a combination of a goat and camel and sheep, dog, giraffe, and a furball, all wrapped into one, they become very dear to me, despite the ridicule of many. Uh, our first llamas were named uh, Lama Llama Ding Dong, Osama Bin Lama, Yo Mama Llama, and Tony Llama, after the famous bootmaker. Uh, Tony, uh... This dear llama is the focus of our story. Because it was on a brisk winter morning that I got a call from a lady named Cindy who identified herself as sitting in the car next to the highway out in front of Heartlight. Um And, um, and it runs, the the highway runs right next to our property. And so she proceeded to tell me that one of our horses was lying on the ground in the pasture and needed help. And I thanked her for letting me know the situation and assured her that I would get out there as quickly as I could and check it out. But she kept informing me of all the things I was doing wrong in the care of our animals. And I didn't even know who this lady was. You know, she, she stated that she had noticed that one of our horses had died a month earlier as if I didn't know, and hadn't been buried for three days. And she said she would take better care of our animals, adding that if she hadn't called, then we would not know about this struggling horse. She also said that she's going to call the Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals to report our abuse and that she should call the sheriff to come take all of our animals because I was doing a terrible job taking care of all of our pets. At that moment, all I wanted to do was get out in the field and find the horse that was in trouble. I, I felt it really wasn't the time to school me on the care of animals. She didn't realize that morning had been particularly difficult for me as I was early in the form of a death of, of a young lady who had lived with us. So I drove up to our barn and got a trailer and then headed out to the field to see what was going on. And as I drove up to the animal, I noticed that it really wasn't a horse. It was one of our llamas, Tony, Tony Llama. He was thrashing in a puddle of water, banging his head against the ground, crying a wretched scream, having seizures, and struggling to breathe. Not a good sight and hardly a situation with a good prognosis. You know, I thought the best thing to do would be to get him in the barn where I can put him under a heat lamp, so I tried to load him but couldn't lift him on the trailer by myself. Yeah, I remember thinking, "God, my boots are getting all dirty, my jeans are all trashed out. I've got a dress shirt on and a jacket, and and um, so anyway, I called for help from some of our other staff, and I continued my mud wrestling to get Tony into the trailer. You know, I was—I've got to admit—I was somewhat frustrated and and began to become a little bit tearful as I knew the scenario wasn't going to have a good ending. And as I was waiting for help to arrive and struggling to get this dearly loved animal into the trailer, I looked up and saw the car on the highway. And it was Cindy in her white SUV on the phone, probably reporting me to the llama police. So covered in llama dung and urine and mud and blood and sitting on a trailer, straining to get this animal drug up into the trailer itself, a thought came to me, you know, what I don't need is criticism right now. I don't need the ridicule, but what I do need is help. I didn't need judgment. I needed assistance. I didn't need a lesson. I needed a pair of hands. So as I tugged and pulled and comforted this dying animal, I wish Cindy had gotten out of her comfortable, heated car and helped me. And the emotions of the day were overwhelming Feeling of loss was already heavy on my heart and, and uh, with the heart of the news of this young lady's death and continued throughout the afternoon with the, with the death of Tony. And between those losses were feelings of helplessness and frustration and anger and all aimed at Cindy for her un- insensitivity and her arrogant and indignant approach to my day's pasture experience. You know, and I I thought, you know, she can't even tell the difference between a horse and a llama. And she felt like it was her role to chastise me. And that sting of criticism infuriated me. And for months, I prayed for the opportunity to confront Cindy. Um, Now, before you get frustrated at Cindy as I was, let me use this story to emphasize some points, as it's a perfect example of parents today who strive to hold their kids to a higher standard and help them develop character and integrity in their life. And venomous intentions that collectively take a toll on a child's emotional um, perceptions. You know, your kids are not listening to only you anymore. They're now hearing the negative noise against a backdrop of a not-so-distant roar of a looming storm and know that the end of innocence is approaching. Teens... uh, Lightning is striking closer and the collapse of thunder. Draw your child's attention to the changing wind, reminding your teen of this impending change of season. You know, they don't know how to push away the dark clouds entering their sunny, tween life, and so in an effort to protect themselves, they begin to close off entry points into their heart. The welcome mat to the door of your child's heart has now been removed and replaced with a hanging sign that shouts, leave me alone. It's difficult. It's difficult. Not only difficult, it's hard. Ah, This change for kids and it's even tougher change for parents because of their once effective means of communication is now backfiring on them. You know, for parents, understanding your child's changing world becomes crucial and the timing of your message of help is critical. Without these two components, chances are that your child might just interpret your message as one of judgment that moves them away from you rather than an understanding of your intent to offer help at a time that she needs you the most. So if you don't change your parenting style to accommodate the changing atmosphere of your child's life, your teen might begin to hear your message of encouragement and hope as a negative judgment and a reminder of her inadequacies, inabilities, her failures and her incompetence and sometimes your attempts to to help might position you as one who causes more pressure than than capable of of relieving the weight and stress faced by the challenges of these kids growing up and just like my response to Cindy and the judgment i felt in her attempt to help me your child may want nothing to do with you when in actuality she needs you the most and so i see this this parenting Style backfire in in two specific areas of a child's life, and the first one is where parents hold their kids to standards and principles and values and certain morals that were taught during pre-adolescence in a relational setting where parents were the primary source of influence. And in this setting, parents constantly remind their child to act, talk, and think in a certain way. These reminders come in a form of, of repetition, of constancy, of, and taking advantage of every moment to teach kids every lesson of life. But then enter... The adolescent years where everything begins to change. And as we've already discussed, your child is exposed to more. Parents are no longer the primary source of influence. The pressures mount and many feel like they don't belong. Many find they don't have the skills to tackle the world before them. And some get lost in the search for who they are. And too many are confused as to how to put it all together. So they don't need criticism and judgment and ridicule. They need help. They don't need judgment. They need assistance. They don't need a lesson. They need help in taking what they've been taught and learning how to apply it to the new world that they now live in. And here's the kicker. It doesn't happen with repetition, constancy, and finding every moment to teach like it did in their preteen years. Teens who are wrestling with new issues in life seldom need to hear what they need to do. They already know that. They also don't need to hear how they can do it better. And many times repetition at this stage of development only reminds them of how they failed or missed an opportunity to shine. And constant nagging, correction, and badgering often just pushes them away. And most of the time, these kids just need someone to listen to them. They don't need to hear another lesson, another teaching, or another class on how to do it better. When parents fail in this attempt to to understand what's really happening in the in the life of their child, the timing of their well-intended comments leaves us it leaves a child feeling somewhat judged. So, the second area where many. Parents miss the opportunity for greatness in the life of their child when they fail to understand that the diversity of the peer relationships that their child is developing. You know, and chances are that most kids have a racially diverse group of kids and, and, um, and a variety of relationships with acquaintances who will cause them to question what they've been taught in the process of developing their own belief system, Kids are exposed to other religious and and, uh, ideas and thoughts and concepts and may even develop friendships with those of different faiths, causing them to question what's right and what's wrong. And many will get to know kids who are homosexual, have a wide range of acceptable behaviors, and they'll wonder where these kids fit into the lessons that they've been taught. And others will wander through issues of alcohol and tobacco and the definition of marriage and sanctity of life and divorce and sexual boundaries and politically dividing promotions that call into question many of the life truths that they've been raised on, taught by you, mom and dad. And here's an example of this. Most teens understand that you know, of what their parents view on homosexuality is, and this has been a debated topic for many years, and appears to be an issue that's not going to go away for a long time. So it's inevitable that your child will eventually know teens who say they're either, you know, gay or bisexual or uh, gender whatever. I don't even know all the listings of all of it, and and at that point, what your child. Uh, believes might collide with what they feel in their relationship with this person. And so it's easy to be judgmental about a person and and in, in their way of life. It's harder when you know and care for someone who practices a lifestyle. So when push comes to shove the relationship is usually what wins out and the belief gets thrown out. And it's easy for kids to dismiss previously held beliefs when the confusion surrounding the integration of their faith into a world desperate for relationships is challenged or conflicted. So it's at this point of their two worlds clashing that parents want to be involved in the lives of teens as they wrestle through the development of their faith. And what I've found is that it's easier to speak truth into a life of a teenager when the truth is spoken in love. And another phrase that, that I would use for love is the simple concept of being nice, not judgmental. Mom, Dad, the effectiveness of your approach to your kids during their time of wrestling through issues in life will be determined by the temperature of your comments and the non judgmental position you take when engaging with them. Judging builds walls that keep truth and the messenger of the truth from being involved in the life of a child when a connection with a source of wisdom is greatly needed. You know, a, a man recently told me that his older kids all wanted nothing to do with him. And he said he couldn't understand why they felt that way as he's been teaching them the same way all his life. And sadly, each one of his kids I've talked to have complained that their father's one of the most judgmental people that they know. And this father has good intentions, But his lack of understanding gave way to poor timing in his parenting approach and how I'd wish he would known the following. I wish he would have known that sometimes a child just needs to think out loud to process and have someone listen without giving an opinion. I wish you would have known that not every teachable moment needs to become a time of teaching. I wish you would have known that asking kids, hey, are you asking me a question or wanting my opinion is a wonderful way, an absolutely wonderful way, you know, to respect kids and offer help rather than you're shoving your opinion down their throat through lecture. I wish he'd known that he's taught his kids well and doesn't have to keep reminding his kids where they've blown it. They already know that. I wish he would have known that, that he doesn't have to point out every way his kids can do things better. Or, he, or despite his good intentions, he's missing the heart of his kids who long to have a relationship with him. I wish he knew really that his judgmental comments about controversial issues have moved his kids to ignore all the wisdom he shares in other conversations. And I wish I knew in his heart he feels like he's fulfilling his parenting role. But in his kid's heart, he's an extremely judgmental man and one to be avoided. I don't think this man wants to be judgmental. But it's how a child interprets what he says because of the way, uh, or maybe perhaps the way that he times it or his own understanding or the way that he engages with his child. It's easy to be judgmental when you don't even mean to. I believe that this man's intentions were good. I believe his timing was off. And I believe he doesn't really have an understanding of what's going on in the life of his kids. Truth with judgment pushes kids away But truth with relationship draws them to you. Hey, text your kids right now. Ask them this question. Do you think I'm a judgmental parent? Do that and you'll have an interesting conversation tonight around the dinner table. Hey, um, your questions that you guys ask all the time are absolutely wonderful. And I ask them uh, or I answer them on another day. And I hope that uh, you'll send those in to us and, and give us the opportunity to answer some of the harder questions that you might have you know, after you listen to devotions or our other podcast or anything. And it's you can go to our newsletter, which can be found at parentingtodaysteens.org. Sign up, and you'll have the opportunity to ask me questions. And I spend a lot of time answering those questions. Hey, here's another thing. Sign up for our app. It's Parenting Today's Teens, brand new app, gives you a ton of resources, and I think you'll enjoy uh, the opportunities that you'll, you'll find there to learn and to uh, uh, embrace how to engage differently with your child so that you can have a better relationship with them. Hey, have a great day.
0: Thanks for listening to Parenting Today's Teens.